Awesome, man. Is everybody glad to be here this morning? It's awesome. That's awesome. <clears throat> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and anticipating great things uh, in your life today. I just think that today is going to be a day that we look back and say something shifted in my life today. And so um, as, as you sit where you sit and take in what you're about to take in, this isn't going to be like maybe mind-boggling information for some of you and some of y'all are well learned in the Bible and some of you aren't. And regardless of where you come from or what you do, I just hope that you'll let this word be for you today. I hope that you'll let this sink in for wherever you are in your life and that God will use this for our good and his glory today. Will y'all pray with me? God, today, I just believe that, um, that you're about to, to shift something big time in people's lives. I believe that um, there's people in here that are contemplating things uh, like giving up, like making a decision that would alter their life in, in not a good way. And there's so many things that we hold on to and cling to. And God, I'm just believing that chains are going to be broken and that our lives are never going to be the same, that this church will be a light in a very dark place and that many people will come to know Jesus as a result of this service, maybe not in this service. And so, Lord, use us. Help us leverage who we are for the cause of Jesus Christ and we're just so excited about uh, what you're doing in us and through us and believing you that today is going to be a major change forever. We love you, Jesus. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor, tap him on the shoulder right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tap your neighbor on your shoulder and say, we're going to change the culture. Say, let me hear it. We're going to change the culture. We're going to change the culture. If we're going to change the culture, it would probably be good to know what the culture is. Okay, culture. I don't know if y'all know this. Culture is the, this is the original definition from the Latin, because I'm really good at Latin, nope. But it's the, it's the rearranging of raw materials and then doing something with them. That is what culture actually means, is to take stuff, raw materials, and rearrange them. And so originally, when people heard the word culture, and for centuries, whenever culture was used, it was used in this context. Agriculture, y'all heard of that before? Agriculture, my Clemson people know what I'm talking about, come on. I'm not making fun. Y'all are good at it, right? But horticulture, and it's taking dirt and seed and the raw material that's just the ground and tilling it up and making it right for whatever you're going to plant and taking something from stuff and then gardening and flowers, trees, plants, things begin to grow because it's taking that stuff and making it into something. And for, for centuries, that's all people thought about. Adam and Eve were the first people that created culture. They were gardeners. And they created a culture, and that's all people thought. But in the 18th century, in the 1700s, it began to shift, and people began to think a little bit more than just dirt when it came to culture. In the 20th century, which is young people, that's the, two, the 1900s, right? In the 20th century... It became something spoken about. Like people began to talk about what's the culture and what are we doing with the culture and where are we going? Here, here's what we know culture is now. The stuff. It's, it's the, how we arrange things. It's our shared beliefs, values, and morals of a group. And so like, listen, America has a culture and everyone that you speak to or get influenced by is trying to put their culture on you. Did y'all know that? Some of y'all. Did y'all know that? Right, like the media, sometimes people get mad and they like tweet out how bad they hate the media and stuff. You don't have to hate the media, you just got to understand what they're doing. They have an agenda. Listen, Fox, I'm not against Fox, 
But if you think they're fair and balanced, right? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, tea party. But like, if you think they're fair and balanced, I've got some beachfront property in Nebraska to sell you to because they have an agenda. Everybody's got an agenda. Why? Because they want you to share their beliefs. We, I'm going to tell you this right now, have an agenda. And it's Jesus. We want people out there to know what we're about. So in this place, we're going to be about reaching the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel. That is our agenda. And when people come in here, if they expect something different, they're going to be sorely mistaken. But when we go into something, we just think, this is not going to affect me. You fail to understand that everyone, even if it's subconsciously, is trying to put across this. Why? Because art and music and sex and race and everything, what we believe is dictated by what our culture has decided we believe or our person has decided that they're right and they're wrong. And that's what we should believe. And this has changed a lot, hasn't it? We've seen crazy wars over sex, over whether, whether sex should be in marriage alone or whether it's okay to maybe test drive the car before you go out. And the Bible clearly says that you shouldn't. But culture says that it's okay. And we have to decide which one are we going with. Are we going with what society says and what the culture says? Are we going with what God says and his culture says? And it is a battle every day against. And it is fighting together. Bang, bang, bang. And the arts and the music, listen, when, when, you don't, when music is started, I'm not a musician, so y'all stay with me, okay? But like the beats that we just listened to, I absolutely love, but it's on purpose. We love the louder, a little bit rocky type, and it's not hardcore, but we love that. We love the thumping of those drums. Didn't y'all like it in the second song? Man, that was awesome. It like gave it, I don't know, maybe it was just me. I don't look back at y'all, but I, like I love it. And then the words that go with them are critical because it is defining the culture of what we believe. And so when you listen to music, and I'm not down on secular music, I think it's silly to attack a certain genre of music just because it's some kind or some beat. That's not the point. The point is what do the words say behind it? It affects you because it is defining your culture. If you memorize songs constantly, it affects us. Music, art, sex, race, everything is defined by what we believe in our culture. So here's the deal. We have a culture. For Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ died and took our sin and was buried, and on the third day he rose. And in all of that, our definition is we were made in the image of God and our culture is defined by him. The raw material in me is not good. Are y'all with me? It's not good until he has control of it. And he begins to garden and till and do the things that he can do when he has access to the stuff. It's what Christ has done in us as God defines it. That's what my culture is. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. If things are planted correctly, the right things begin to grow. Does anybody, like, is that... That's not breaking news, is it? If you plant an apple seed in the right soil, an apple tree is going to grow and eventually produce fruit. And so I just want to know this morning, what is our culture making? The question that we're asking is, what is our culture making? Let me tell you one quick thing. What is this word? If I take off the end, what is that word? Cult. Cannot have a culture without a cult. And we automatically think of cult and we're like, cult is bad. It's those crazy people that make up a religion, right? And it's a religion based off of a religion. Did you know that's the sixth definition in the dictionary? 
that there's five other things that originally are how you define a cult, and it's not that. That we've taken the negative connotation of cult, and we believe that that is everything in a cult. All of you, please don't be offended, follow a cult. Hopefully, it's the cause of Jesus Christ. Whenever there's a worship expression, and you do rites or things, that is a cult following. People have cult followings to teams because we paint ourselves. And we don't apologize for that. We say, high five, that's that crazy dude that loves so-and-so so much. But that is a cult following. And there's cult followings to Justin Bieber. Come on, somebody for the Biebs. Like that. People love certain things. And there's a cult following to them. Well, we want a cult following for Jesus Christ. And some people are going to say it's weird when we are so, so, so driven toward him. Some people are never going to get it. Some people are not going to understand our worship. When tears are rolling down our face and we have a difficult day and we don't know where to turn, but we know that our worship is greater than anything that we can fight against. And so that is our cult that we follow. Some people out there will say, well, you're weird. You're following a cult. And my answer to them is you said that right, and it's the name of Jesus. But here's the deal. Unless that's really what you follow, how are you really going to make a difference? Because there's something that you hope to make a difference for. It may be your job. And if it's your job and you hope to get at the top of the food chain, then what you hope is that I can become somebody. But you don't hope to leverage who you are in Christ Jesus and everything that you do. You hope that Christ can help you become what you wish you could become. And there is a massive difference, and it's this close. And so we just have to ask ourselves, what culture am I making? What am I reproducing? What am I making? What culture am I making? So this is repetitive, but this is last week's verse, and it, it builds so perfectly today. Truly, truly, I say to you, John 20, or excuse me, John 12, 24, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, if one of these little bitty kernels fall off and on its outside shell it dies, it can bear much fruit. And so I just want to show you quickly the process of plants, what it looks like. Because last week we started the process with if a grain of wheat falls, and that's salvation. That's, that's why we do what we do in baptism, that we take on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and trust him as Savior. But here's what the process of plant life looks like. Look at this picture. It starts it starts with germation. I'm going to explain these in a minute, but it's when a seed is in the ground and then it shoots up and a plant actually comes out. So many people, listen carefully, so many people stay in the ground because they say, I have life that's good enough. We would never say that's good enough with a child. Are y'all with me? Like if you have a baby and you're like, you know what? The baby's born. That's, that's awesome. We're just going to leave them in the crib. They're good to go. You get to go to jail if that happens, okay? So I should be held responsible and the leaders of this church should be held responsible. And men, you should be held responsible as the father and the pastor of your home. That if our children, who are adults, that if our children who are teenagers, if our children who are seven, five, whatever years old, if they stay the same, it's because I have not cultivated the plant. And I've not spent time with the plant. And I've given up on the plant because they're not worth it. And they just stay under the soil, and they never become anything. And then when that happens, the pollination happens. We're going to talk about that and then the fertilization process. But this is important because this has to happen. The full circle has to happen or else we stay where we are. I believe the problem in the church 
is that we have stayed in the germination process or we have stayed in the seed, in the shell, and we've said, boom, there's life. I've trusted Christ. I have my heaven ticket. I'm good to go. And there is no reproduction taking place whatsoever because we are comfortable staying the same, which means we don't really follow the cult of Christ and the cause of Christ and take on his death and experience life in his name and show in everything that we do when we play when we suffer by going to the Gamecocks game yesterday and just hope that they don't wreck the bus. Come on, somebody that's a Gamecock fan. No Clemson fans are allowed to talk to me right now. In everything, I don't take plays off. I don't get time off. I am constantly in the reproductive mode of Jesus. And there's no time that I can say enough is enough. I'm done. And so let me just walk you through quickly these Four steps, these, these steps. Germation is the seed begins to grow into a plant. And so importantly, you understand this. When one of these fall, if they don't fall into a soil, they cannot grow, okay? But assuming that you in this room, don't miss this if you're not a Christian, stay with me. But assuming that you have trusted Christ and you've fallen into the right soil, which is being buried in his death and risen to life. This is where the seed begins to grow into a plant and life has begun where sh something shoots out and then you see. And if y'all have done gardening before, I'm, I'm sure a lot of y'all with your kids have done like you put it in a little cup and you put the lima bean down in, you know what I'm talking about? And like the little shoot comes out and then you watch it grow and your kids go crazy. And you're like, when does this project end? I'm ready to put this in the trash can, right? But it's that, it's that shoot. It's when it first starts growing out and it's the most exciting thing. To see a young, young believer where you begin to see a little bit of growth. And you're like, man, what happened to me along the way that I forgot about what that looks like and what that feels like? And I want that shoot to come back out. I want to be that zealous and that, and that excited to receive the water from the Spirit. To receive the rain that comes down on my life when I least expect it. And somebody needs to turn the rain off because we've had plenty. But I'm talking about outside and not inside. Come on. But it's what shoots up and grows. And so that is a process that many of us have experienced. And we identify ourselves with Christ. And I don't know if it's all of you because I believe strongly that in every group there's some people that have never trusted Christ. But the vast majority of us in this room have said, yes, I will follow you. I will go where you go. But now what culture are we creating? Because that is the indicator of the level that every, every church, every house of worship is at. If they're not reproducing, then they're dying. Watch this. Next is growth and development or the fertilization processes. And this, this is what it takes is proper light and watering and fertilizing and adequate space is huge and time to grow. And, and this is where I think we get stuck so often because we so worry about growing out that we don't worry about growing down. And we were talking about some of these processes and staff. Um, Austin, who's on our staff, used to do horticulture stuff and I work at a nursery and, and then they planted trees and he said, you know, so often you plant those trees and y'all see them in like downtown Greenville and then after a while they don't, they don't do well anymore and you got to cut them down, you got to dig them up, you got to start over and it's because they don't have adequate space to grow in their trunk and adequate space to grow down. And then if you've ever grown a garden, oh my goodness, some of y'all are green thumbs and it's awesome. And this guy I'm okay with Ingles, okay? I'm okay with Bilo and Walmart. I'm okay with that being my garden. 
praise the Lord, this is 2015. But like, like if you've ever tried to do it and you did it about halfway, because <laughs> y'all, I know that's some of y'all. Like you did it halfway and so you didn't worry about the fertilizer and the manure that you put down because it's, that's weird that you put poop on stuff, right? So y'all feel the same way I do. Like, and, and, like, and then you don't, you don't till it up really deep and you don't get the right soil in place and you don't do all the things you're supposed to. You feel like me. I'm going to put a seed in the ground and that should be good enough, okay? God, you water it and you do all the work and we're going to figure this thing out. And isn't that how we kind of do life? I don't give the proper time to God because I feel like God's already done it in me and God's not taking score. And by the way, that's true. But if I want to see everything that God wants me to be in this life, I can't just stay the same. I've got to let some things hurt because pain is what makes the purpose possible. And the change in your life and the things that you wish and you would give anything to stop that thing that hurts right now, that is what God is going to use for his good, excuse me, for your good and his glory. And we fight against it and we say, I don't have time for that. I got to fix me. I got to get mine. We don't give the right amount of time because we are so busy. I'm not going to garden. I'm not going to do the work. I'm too busy. It's got to fix itself. And don't miss this. When you plant that tomato plant, bush, that flower, that tree, and it isn't growing, when it stops producing fruit and leaves and life-giving seed, it is dying. It is dying, or it is dead. And that is a problem. And that is the picture of the church today. But when those things are taking place, and that's where we're heading, here's the next step. Proper growth requires a favorable environment. And if we don't look in at the soil first, what is in here is much more important. And we attack so often, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, but why are you doing that? What is your culture inside your heart being pulled by? And what's the thing that wakes you up and makes you do what you want to do more than anything else? What's the thing that you want to leverage all of your stuff so that that can be glorified? Because that's what defines the reasons you struggle where you struggle or the reasons you're having success in your spiritual life where you're having success. You have to have the right soil, which is Jesus, and then it's doing life together, and it's being built up by the right people, and here's what I mean by that. The pollination and the seed dis dispersion is what we have missed. It's the, it, this is the section that we have, we've just shut this down. We've said it's not important. This is no big deal. Today is where we're drawing the line in the sand and saying this is a big deal. This is going to stop today. And I'm not asking all of you who are sitting in this room to be there. I'm not asking you guys to be to the second stage. I'm asking you to take a step toward there. Because what we want to see is not a church full of people that are fans of me, or fans of this house, but that are followers and fans of Jesus Christ and are reproducing themselves for the cause of Christ. That's it. That will always be it. And that is all our goal is, is to expand the kingdom through this place. That cannot happen just by one voice. That cannot happen just through good worship. That happens through you. And here's how it happens. After maturity, when a plant or when a person has reached maturity, trees and plants begin to produce seed, it goes through a process, and, and this process starts taking place, and then flowers, y'all know that birds and bees take the pollen and take the seed, and they begin to move it. Some of y'all have had to talk about the birds and the bees before. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all are like, this is awkward. Right, that's where it comes from. Just let me help y'all out. The birds and the bees are what fertilizes the seed. It's what takes the seed or the, the pollen or whatever is necessary 
to put a seed down in and produce life and for a shoot to start coming out. God uses you. God uses your word. God uses your action. God uses your deeds to put a seed in someone else's life. God will use this microphone to put a seed in your life, but he doesn't have to. If this microphone is ahead of where I am in my person, I will put something inside of every single person in your minds and in your hearts that is not the right thing. Because who you are as a person and who you are in Christ Jesus is much more important than what people see and think about you or in your gift. And so often we miss that point and we think, I'm not good enough. What matters is what Christ is in you, not what you do and how awesome you are at your talent. And we throw our hands up and say, this isn't me. In week one of the selfie series, um, we talked about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being eunuchs. And if you don't remember what that is, just ask somebody else because I'm not going to tell you again. But the point that we got to that day is the point, listen, it's the point in this place that Satan's goal is to make Christians seedless people. That the goal of the enemy is to make sure that you feel good about where you are. And I feel good about where I am. But we don't want any reproduction taking place because if reproduction takes place, that means our next generation, your children and grandchildren, and the generation after that will be stronger and more healthy and better plants and faster growing. But if we don't, and if they, four out of five people within five miles of this church are not in church today and are very far from God, and if we don't worry about them, that's fine. But I promise you, the next generation will be more than four, from four of five. And two generations from now, I don't know if there'll even be churches because if you want an example, there's parts of this country that were much more church than the Bible Belt is today, a hundred years ago. And today, to find a Protestant, a follower of Jesus Christ, is almost impossible. How did that happen? It's because at some point, we decided that we were good, that it really wasn't my job to share my faith and to leverage myself for the cause of Jesus Christ that I was good just doing this thing. And so I'm going to quickly go through something that Paul said, and I want you to take this in because I believe Paul, when he was writing his letter to Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, he gave us a beautiful description of this process, a beautiful description of what this looks like. So Philippians chapter 3, this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I want you to go back and read it today because it can help you right where you are no matter where in the process you are. And this is what Paul said, my goal is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Does that mean he's going to die? No, it means I want to take on all of him so that when people see me, they see Jesus. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already done this. Not that I've already obtained this or that I'm already perfect, but I press on. I keep moving. I keep that process taking place in my life to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. For every person that is a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the goal because he has already made you his daughter and his son. And he says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it on my own. This is not something that I've done. I don't work hard so that he loves me more. He already loves me more than he ever can. Possibly a person should love anything and he cannot love me less. But because of that, I keep moving on. But one thing I do, and this is it. Y'all need to circle this, star this, and highlight this and say, this is where we are and where we're going. Forgetting what lies behind me. 
Forgetting all the things that we've defined ourselves so often and said, this is why I can't be. Pastor, if you knew what I was, you would not ask me. And Jesus looks at you and says, what are you talking about? What sin? What shortcoming? What heaviness? What thing? Let's forget what lies behind us. Let's stop letting our past dictate our future, even if it's good, even if it's something great that God did in our lives. No longer will we let that be what defines us, forgetting what is behind us and straining forward to what lies ahead. Our best days are always ahead if we're in Christ because the only day that is not better on this earth is much better because he takes us home. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Everybody, everybody has a call on their life. And we don't need people to leave their jobs and become missionaries. We need people to leverage their jobs and be missionaries where they live, work, and play in everything that they do. Be on mission for the cause of Jesus Christ, forgetting what's behind them and pressing on toward the mark, which is Christ Jesus, to become part of the process that God uses so that we can change the world. It is not enough for a man to get up and shout and act crazy. And people think, well, I want to go hear that dude. We need an army. God called me to do this. But you are much more significant where you live, work, and play than I'll ever be with a microphone. And the first voice that people hear in this house is not me, but it's the guys in the parking lot that are killing it. When it's misty, raining, and terrible, your smiling face and your open door is why people will want to come back, not me. They may keep coming back because of this. But the first time they come back and the first time they hear anything are the people that are opening the doors and the people that are changing diapers. There is nothing insignificant. Every calling is significant, more significant than my voice can explain because it's God's call on your life. And we forget what we believe has defined us and we press on. Let those of us who are mature think this way. That is some of you in this room. And if anything, or excuse me, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Also, let us hold true to what we have obtained. He says, brothers, join me. Oh, my goodness, this is good. Join in imitating me. This is the goal that we want to get to. And some of you are there. And if you want to know, if you should do more for Christ, if you can look at a brother or a sister and say, you know what, I know that you're not there, but just watch me. Look this way. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, don't miss this, this is maybe the most critical verse in all of the chapter. Many people who raised their hand one time and said that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ walk as enemies of the cross. How is that possible? Because when the seed fell and they said, you know what, I'm really interested in Jesus. They stayed interested in Jesus. And what we thought was life-giving, life-producing, life-changing seed that had sown and a shoot of life had shot out was actually just a celibate, just a lifeless seed that had fallen to the ground because the Lord Jesus had not sown a seed in their life. And they thought it sounded really cool, but they never let life change happen. And if a seed falls to the ground until it dies, it cannot have life. And for so many of us, we thought that it was a good idea, but we've stayed right where we were. It is impossible to have the Lord Jesus change your life and stay right where you are. 
And if we're not producing fruit and sowing seed in people, sowing seed in generosity, sowing seed in love, sowing seed in every place, giving of our time above what we believe that we should outside of the walls of this church. It's never been about here. I hope that you come here and I hope that you serve, but it's much bigger than that. And can you feel the tension and the hurt in Paul's voice? I cry because these people are walking as enemies of God. And can I add this? And they don't even know it. They're so blinded by what Satan wants to do in their life. Verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. If you want to know if your God is your belly, answer this question. What is it? that my passion lies in? What is it that I'm reproducing? What is it that people look at me and define me as? Because they know where your God is. And their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship, come on somebody, is in heaven. That anything that happens on this life is not where my home is. I'm a stranger in a foreign land on this place. My citizenship is in heaven and my glory is not in my home, is not in my car, is not in the things of this world, but it's in heaven. And I may live 80 or 85 or 90 years on this place, but God is just taking me to the place that he wants to show me and reproduce in me. And at the moment that he is done with that, he calls me home forever and ever and ever. And what I can imagine heaven is, is so much, so much, so much under what it actually is. It is the greatest place a human mind can comprehend times a billion and then infinity beyond that it is so great because the God of the universe sits on his throne and looks at me and loves me and has built a mansion for me this is not your home this is temporary and it is not worth giving your life for heaven is my citizenship and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ and so what do we do where do we go he will transform our lowly bodies and everything that hurts you where you sit to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Listen, if we're going to change the culture, we can't do it by ourselves. Can't do it alone. Life change is God changing me for his good and his glory. Seriously, it's for your good, for my good and his glory. And until I take hold of that and really believe that in my heart, I'll just believe that this is something that's a cool option. God never called you to be ordinary. He called you to be extraordinary. He called you to step out of your comfort zone. That does not mean you have to sell everything that you have. That does not mean you have to paint your face every time you walk in here. But it does mean with reckless abandon, you pursue Jesus Christ with all of who you are. And some of you are not there. And here is why the point of this message is all about groups and all about doing this together and all about how we serve. Let me just explain this to you. Our vision in this house, and it is not gonna change unless the Lord Jesus changes it, is to reach the least lost and lonely. But don't miss this. It's also to see their lives change as a result. Because we don't believe that you should stay where you are. And here's the deal with that. Small groups, not me. Small groups, people that are mature and have gone ahead are where we see these life change take place as a result. Some of you do not like where you are in your life right now. Some of you wish that you could take the next step in your life. 
Some of you know that you're supposed to be serving and know that you're supposed to be giving and know that you're supposed to take the next step and this is your chance right now on the back wall, on the back wall. I don't remember how many small groups there are. Some of them, there's two on one. I, I believe there's 15, 14 small groups. There's enough small groups and small group leaders for every single person to sign up. And I'm asking every single one of you, I know some of you are already signed up. I'm just asking that you'll go move to give other people boldness and sign up where you already signed up. We cannot do this alone. Can I just be honest with you? This is what I wanted to share. There's three or four men in my life that I've given access and permission to speak truth into my life because spiritually, I'm supposed to lead this house and there's a lot of things that I need help with. And I've given them total access to just say, I want you to check me. Check myself so I don't wreck myself. Come on. That's what all of us need. And when a disaster takes place, we can lock arms with brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and say that, that is not possible for me to do this on my own. I'm asking all of you to take an inventory of where you are in your life. And as we sing this song, there's Sharpies in the back. I'm asking you to get up and take your next step right now. Right now. We have faces. We have big post-it notes. I want you to just get up from your seat right now and go sign up for the small group that God wants you to sign up for. And you can also sign up to serve. And some of you know that that's the calling on your life. And you should serve. So right now, just stand up and move if you will.